Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Hello, I'm Gerald Farrelly. Now, before this episode starts, I want to remind you that you can subscribe to Fascinated wherever you downloaded this, and then you won't miss an episode. This show is free, but if you like it, you can show your support by leaving a nice review and rating on iTunes, as it really helps the show reach a wider audience. Go on, I'll wait. We'll just get started. Hello, you are very welcome to another episode of Fascinated. If you are a regular listener, you will know that this is not the podcast where you would expect to hear an interview with an Olympic athlete. But who doesn't like a surprise? My guest today is the Olympic diver, Oliver Dingley. I first met Ollie last August when we both ended up on the couch of the six o'clock show on TV3, which is kind of like Ireland's answer to the one show. We met on an ad break when Ollie and pentathlete Natalia Coyle were ushered onto the set and the show kicked off again. As soon as Ollie started to talk about his experience the previous week in Rio, he lit up the room. Ollie was born in Harrogate in 1992. I know. When Ollie was born, Boys to Men, The End of the Road was number one in Ireland and Charles and Eddie, Would I Lie to You was number one in the UK. I feel ancient. Ollie has always wanted to go to the Olympics. You'll see from our interview that he spent his whole life with his goal in laser sharp focus. But the difference between Ollie and everybody else that has an Olympic dream is, as soon as he realised he wanted to be an Olympian, he started to put the work in. School wasn't easy for Ollie because he is dyslexic. He had to put in hours of extra tuition and also keep up a gruelling training schedule. In 2008, at the age of 15, he became the youngest ever British men's one metre springboard champion. If he impressed with this, he made everyone sit up when he won the title again in 2009. He has since won it in 2011 and 2013 and also won gold at the British Cup in 2010 for the three metre springboard. Despite this success, Ollie wasn't selected for a World Championship or a World Cup. In Olympic trials for London 2012, he finished second. The divers that finished first and third were selected for Team GB instead. After he won bronze in the 2014 Commonwealth Games, Ollie made a big decision to change nations and dive for Ireland. Changing nations is not something that's academic. Ollie's granny was Irish, but it also meant that he had to come and live in Ireland, leaving his family and girlfriend at home. He doesn't have sponsorship, so he lives on the National Sports Campus in Blanchardstown. This alone requires serious commitment. From his shared house on the sports campus, it takes 25 minutes to walk to the gates. These are the gates I rarely get out of. <laughs> so whenever I step a foot out, it's all freedom. <laughs> He doesn't have a car so he spends most of his time there and he trains a lot. I've met him a few times for coffee and usually he would mention the three hours of training he has just done and the two hours of training that he will be doing later. When I go to the gym I'm there for an hour and that includes a sauna, a shower and a couple of games of Angry Birds. When Oliver talks about training I have the same response every time. Ollie, if you're doing five hours of training you can have some rocky road. I am determined to destroy him. The most obvious thing about Ollie is his enthusiasm and his unshakable commitment. He and his girlfriend recently came to a show that I did in Dublin with Neil Delamer. We had a drink backstage with Naomi Coleman and her husband Adam and we all sat there enthralled listening to Ollie talk about his training and it was absolutely mesmerising. We also found out that when a man belly flops it's like a kick in the balls that lasts for two days. Ollie is the first Olympic diver in 68 years. 
and the first ever Irish diver to reach an Olympic final. Ollie is aware that he is setting a precedent for a new sport in Ireland and he's really grateful for that opportunity. He also knows that if he loses his ranking, his funding is in jeopardy. In order to enjoy Ollie's interview, there are a few things you need to get over. I know nothing about sport, so if it's stats and insight you're after, well, you're not going to get much of that. Even this feels quite high, I guess. You're on the top one. That is really high. How deep is that water? That water is five metres. It says over there. But Ollie's is a great story and his enthusiasm is completely infectious. You're going to love him. This is Oliver Dingley. I don't think that you fit the profile. I was actually just thinking of this, like the profile of the people that listen to this podcast. Uh, because they normally uh, tune in to hear about things like where pop stars from the 90s have gone. And I just checked okay. your date of birth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not quite there yet. <laughs> Give it another 10 years. <laughs> so you're, you were born in 1992. Yeah, 92. Yeah. Uh, 92, so 24 years old now. But it's flying by. I, I feel like uh, in my sport especially, I'm starting to feel a, a little bit old. Really? But I've still got a few more years left. Uh, definitely Tokyo in four, oh, three and a half years now. It's already flying by. And then I'll be 31 for the 2024 Olympics, which I'm hoping will be in sunny LA. It's between LA, <sighs> Paris or Budapest. And I... Uh, LA oh, gets my vote. Los Angeles. Yeah, oh it'd be a nice God. way to finish, yeah. finish my career, I think. Actually, I had a teacher, uh, a science teacher when I was at school, and she was in the, was it the 1985 Olympics, I think, were in LA? Uh, 1984 Olympics. 84 Olympics, yeah. okay. But she had represented Ireland in the 3,000 metres. Oh, okay. And by all accounts, she had a great time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the but, Olympics are good fun. Yeah. I have to admit, I kind of got the, the buzz for it when I was out there. But I didn't, I didn't get to say it to the end. I heard there was a good kind of after party at the end. So hopefully in four years, I can uh, wangle my, myself uh, an, an extra plane ticket on the way back. Well, I was surprised because you said, just when we were talking there, that there was a McDonald's in the Olympic Village because I was thinking well how, how good can an after party be with a load of athletes oh, yeah. but it's oh, the McDonald's it was so tempting every single day and uh, I didn't go once I, I must have been the only athlete in the whole Olympic Village not to go and the queue every single day was it was so long like a, a hundred metres long maybe not quite a hundred metres but it felt like a hundred metres I actually queued up a few times uh, and I was like, <laughs> you gave up? Yeah, I gave, I gave up. It was taking so long. But you'd apparently you'd go there, you said whatever you wanted, and boom, it was right there. And they gave you it. You could have as much as you wanted. For free. For free. Totally for free. Everything in the whole village was free. From uh, food, or the food hall. No, the food hall. I practically lived in the food hall. It had everything from pizza, pasta, Indian food, Thai food, uh, African food, oh, wow. South American food. The, I had steak practically for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single oh my day. God. It was it was food heaven. It was amazing, and uh, I was quite sad to leave the food hall. I think on that last day, <laughs> my last meal there, I was kind of I was it was like, well, this is it. Let's do another four years. Now I thought of an Olympic athlete because normally I was saying this to you. Normally when we do podcasts, it was like yeah. let's have cake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I bought a, a packet of chocolate hobnobs just in case. <laughs> how make me hungry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they're just there. You grab one, but you. You d avoid diets. Like yeah, I, I avoid diets. I mean, got a good perspective on it. I mean, I have to eat healthy to uh, maintain what I do. But in diving, the springboard event. So I, there's two events. There's a the springboard, which is the bouncy board, which is three meters high, or there's the ten meter board, which is a platform. Now, I get too scared to do a ten meter, so I stick to a three meter springboard. And now the pros of being a springboard diver are you have to be quite heavy. So in order to be able to push down that board to gain the momentum going out of it, you have to have a okay. bit of weight on you. And one way to do that is eat like a king. And, <laughs> uh, and I love it. And uh, I eat so much. I, I actually live with a house of swimmers, though. There's two swimmers who live in my house. Okay. And their diets, though, are, I mean, I thought I ate a lot. They, they eat the whole house each night, pretty much. It's, really? it's amazing how much they eat. Thousands of calories. And I'm on about three and a half thousand a day. Uh, for someone my weight and my height, I'm not the tallest actually, so uh, um, 3,000 calories for me is, is quite a lot, but those swimmers are kind of 6,000 a day. 3,000 calories, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining, I, I quite like it. And uh, I mean, so when I was in that food hall in the Olympics, and obviously I didn't have to cook for myself, one yeah. of my pains, one of the things I hate the most is generally cooking. I'm not a cooking really? fan. Yeah, never been a cooking fan, I hate the washing up. And uh, I get all these cooking books and kind of just wish my food would look like that. Like yeah, yeah. how it does in those cooking books. I, if, I should do it with my own cooking book and show how it really looks like, I think. Yeah. And uh, it's I, generally just slop on a plate. And it's been your dream, hasn't it? It the has. Olympics have been your dream. Like, when, did you, when did you start diving? I started diving when I was seven years old. So I'm 24 now. I was 23 in Rio. So it, 
it feels like it's been a flash. Kind of that whole career is, is gone so, so fast. And it, it doesn't feel that long ago, kind of we were in 2010, for example, and where I really started to kind of pick up and think, actually, no, I, I can be an Olympian here. Yeah. Not, not just an Olympian, but also a, a very good Olympian, someone there to compete. And when does that start? Like, when you're <clears throat> seven years of age and you start to dive, at what point do, I suppose, your parents or, or people around you go, ah, actually, Ollie's quite good? Yeah, I mean, fair play to my parents. They were absolutely brilliant because... I have an older brother and I have two younger sisters. Now, my younger sisters, they're twins and they're 18 months younger than me. So uh, my parents struggled with us, but all credit to them, they never stopped us from anything that we wanted to do. And for me, it was diving. And for my sister, it's taekwondo or football. And uh, for my other sister, it was gymnastics. They literally, taxi drivers, I think that's what they refer to themselves (laughs) as uh, a fair few times. They gave us those opportunities where a lot of people aren't lucky to have. And uh, so I struck it lucky and I've got the most brilliant parents and they uh, they gave me those opportunities. My first ever memory of diving would have... Now, I don't really remember the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. I, I remember... Because <laughs> you were too young. Yes, I was too <laughs> young. You were just throwing your age around again. But I remember the 2004 Olympics and okay. that was the one... Oh, actually, the 2002 Commonwealth Games. Now, the Commonwealth Games... Oh, Ireland obviously isn't in the Commonwealth, but in the in the spot to dive in the Commonwealth Games, even if you're not in the Commonwealth, it's a huge event to watch because there's still some of the world's best athletes competing in the Commonwealth Games, like you saying Bolt and and athletes yeah, like those. Yeah. And so, uh, 2002 Commonwealth Games in Manchester was my first kind of watching diving on TV, and that was where I really thought, oh my days, that's amazing. I, I would I would love to be one of those people. And then obviously the 2004 Olympics. I was at an age then where those idols of yours are just they're, they're magical. Is, yeah, they're from a whole different universe. They they are kind of and who were who age, were the idols? For, for me, it was a guy called Alexandre Desparties and another guy called Dimitri Soutin, and I got to dive against both of them eventually. No way! Which was the most amazing, uh, most amazing experience ever. My my first time I dived against the first one I got to dive against was uh, Alexandre Desparties. He was a come-off champion at the age of 13. Absolutely amazing. Now, he did both springboard and platform. Very multi-talented. And uh, so platform divers, they tend to come onto the international scene a little bit earlier. Whereas the springboard divers like myself start a little later, but we but we retire later as well. Okay. Uh, it's purely because of the impact on the body. And uh, springboard's more about kind of maturing the body to be able to get that power to get out the board. And you have to generally have to be a bit older, a bit stronger, a bit wiser to uh, to get that. So, <laughs> so, I mean, when I was in Rio, I was competing against guys who were mid-30s. It was even one guy who was 37. Sorry, sorry about oh, that. He was practically dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. 28 on platform. If you're lucky, generally 28 is the, the age. Can, you get some in their 30s. Uh, so, so Departie, Alexandre Departie, I got to meet him and uh, he came up to me and introduced himself to me. Wow. And I, I had a bit of a cold at the time. And you know when you uh, you get like an awkward kind of bit of phlegm in your throat and you can't speak? And you kind of like, you kind of start choking. So he, so he comes up to me and goes, hey, my name's Alex. He's from Canada. And uh, and, he, and he goes to shake my hand and I, and I go to say my name. And I couldn't get my name out. And I, I just start choking <laughs> on this bit of phlegm. And uh, it was horrific. And that was me meeting my idol. It was, <laughs> it was horrible. And uh, so I was actually competing against him a few days later. I finished one place behind him in the prelim. And for me, that was, it was kind of, that was the moment for me where I thought, you know what, this is it. I'm now, and I was only 17 at the time. Wow. So I was right, kind of right at the very early stages of my senior career. Most divers kind of take it in their stride. Whereas me, I, I ran down the poolside with my camera because they showed up the results on the board. And I was there kind of thinking, Facebook's going to love this, uh, all my mates. So I was uh, there running down poolside with my camera to take pictures of his scoreboard oh. and everything. And I mean, he was my magical idol growing up. And Dimitri Soutin, the other guy. He was 38 when I got to dive against him. So he was in his very last year of diving. And he's, in my opinion, the world's greatest diver of all time. And many people would say that as well in the diving world. And uh, he's Russian, and I, and I got to go to a competition in Moscow. And uh, and I was actually following him in the competition. So I wasn't just in the same competition. Oh, sorry, he was actually following me. So in the parade out, where you uh, you walk out and introduce you, he was following me in the parade. Which for me, that was, that was quite cool. And uh, so... And then I was there kind of, a, if you fast forward a few years and, and I get through to this final in the Olympic Games. I feel like I kind of belong there now with this group of elite athletes. Of, uh, and I'm lucky that I'm a, an Irish diver who, a sport has kind of been non-existent in Ireland. Yeah. And that we can now be up there as a, kind of 
one of the best diving nations in the world. That's that's an incredible mindset that, to to be able to say I, I actually belong here. I think it takes a long time and anything to feel that you're doing the right thing, especially when you're doing something yeah. so ahead of the pack. Yes, you know yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. out at the front. You're you know you're an Olympic contender to say yeah I do belong here. That must be really powerful. Yeah, because I think if you're gonna compete. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm just waiting for somebody to pull me up by the scruff of the neck and go, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That's how I felt when I first got into my international competitions in the seniors. And same as when I started the junior diving. But yeah. the seniors especially, kind of, I, I felt kind of, uh, the diving family is a very small family and everyone gets on really well and everyone uh, introduces themselves. And the social aspect of it's quite good because there's only one person who can be on the diving board at a time. So there's lots of standing around yeah, before you yeah. can actually get on the diving board. So everyone kind of mingles and gets on. But uh, I felt like a huge outcast when I first got onto the, those competitions. And that I didn't stop feeling an outcast until gone, 2000 so this would have been 2010 2014 2015 i was still feeling a bit of an outcast really yeah yeah, yeah. and diving is one of those sports where the psychology is key because if you miss a fraction of a second in midair that's a, a medal gone that's a final gone yeah a semi-final gone or i could really really hurt and then everything's yeah. gone and uh so so we, i do a lot of work with a psychologist and, and i think that mentality that he kind of has taught me he's, that was a big factor to, to why I did okay at the Olympic Games I know a, another comedian actually who read sports psychology books and it really improved their game mm. they, they, they just really really yeah. thought this is incredible yeah and, and it takes a long time I think to find a psychologist or even a book that kind of suits you yeah uh, and something that you feel con- or someone you feel connected with because I've seen so many psychologists in the past and a lot of the time I think oh god they're just waffling at me I have yeah. no idea what they're really going on about but I met this psychologist called Stephen McIver who was uh, he worked he was an ex-rugby player for Ireland actually and uh, so he's, he comes from a sporty background okay. and he was very blunt with me he was like you seem like a nice guy but I want to turn you into a, like a bit of a uh, just an arse when it comes to competitions <laughs> I just want to you're just gonna. You're just not a, not a nice person. You want to go in there. You want to tear that room down, and then you could be a nice person after that. But when you're competing, that's what you're gonna be like. And people are gonna fear you. They are gonna respect you. And uh, has uh, it worked? I, I I don't know if anyone. I'd say I hope nobody would ever fear me. But uh, hopefully, people are wary of kind of the competition. Yeah. And certainly, like I'm very very wary of all the other competitors and stuff. And and I hope now I've got to a stage where people are kind of like, oh no. Yeah, well, I mean, Ollie Dingley's here, so yeah, it's going to be so a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> and ho- hopefully, I don't know, but uh, little Ollie Dingley, hopefully they, people might start to think like that now. And I, I, think oh, I, I definitely think they do. I mean, you're an incredible diver. I oh, mean, thank you. And, and all, but also, <laughs> you, you don't get to the Olympics by just showing up. You know? No, no. And uh, it's the whole team effort. Diving always strikes me as something that is so difficult to, I was going to say rehearse, <laughs> but to, you know, when, you're, when it's just you in the pool, it's one thing. But when it's, the cameras and the auditorium and all the people and the judges. And What's you... gone through your head when you're about to jump? Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's wow type thing. It's, uh, it takes so much effort to kind of get to that point in the first place. So I train about 25, 26 hours a week. So full-time yeah. commitment. And uh, 30%, no, sorry, 50% of my training is in the gym. We'll have to get you over to our diving gym. You'll love it. We have uh, it's in an old converted cow shed, which they got rid of all the cows and they've they've put trampolines in there, a foam pit, diving board going into the foam pit. We have harnesses. It's like a playground, and that's where fifty wow. percent of my training takes place in there, and then obviously the other fifty percent is in the pool. So it's a huge kind of process of uh, say I'm learning a new dive. I'll do that dive. 50 times into a variation of that dive 50 times into a foam pit before I'll even try it into into the water wow so it's a huge process of just getting to do the dive alone but when it comes to the whole competition I mean nothing and I generally believe this nothing can ever prepare you for for an event like the Olympic Games Uh, and I I'd never done I've never I've never been to a world championships before so my first ever big major world 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 event was was the Olympics in Rio and uh, I had one chance to qualify for the Olympics because uh, when diving, that's, that's all you get. They, they, yeah. they take the top 18 in the world and then a few extra places. But the year before 2015, top 12 at the World Championships get a spot for their country. And uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to compete in the 2015 uh, World because Championships. you were changing nationalities. I was, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I had to have a year out, which is only fair. It's the rules. And uh, so we obviously have to play by the rules. And I had to have a year out. So I couldn't finish in that top 12 at the World Championships. So those 12 have a spot for their country. And my 
only way of qualifying was to finish top 18 at the World Cup the next year. Now, some of those top 12 didn't compete at the World Cup because they already had spots. Some of them did. So, But most likely, most of those people in the top 12 finish inside the top 18 the following year. Sorry if I'm really confusing you. No, here. but that, yeah, that, so that's, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. So, so really, you have, if those, say those top 12 divers make it into that uh, top 18, there's not many there's spaces. spaces yeah. yeah, there's not many spaces left. And uh, depended, so luckily I finished inside that top 18 and it was the most stressful day of my life. It was a four and a half hour competition, six dives. So we do six dives and if you missed one of those dives, the Olympic dream was gone for another four years. And there was 60 plus competitors in this event and only 18 got a spot. And uh, so the, it came in and I was inside that top uh, top 18. And now depending on how many of those top 12 finishing inside the top 18, they then give out a few spaces from 19 downwards. Okay. So uh, it varies. So in the women's event for Rio, they accepted down to 29 places. Okay. But in the men's, they only accepted tw uh, up to 20, uh, the top 20. So 19 and 20 got a spot at the Olympics. 21, 22 didn't. And so it really was crucial for me to finish inside that top 18. <clears throat> and I did. And uh, so somehow I found myself at the Olympic Games. My very first dive at the Olympics was... It was petrifying. It was yeah. the most scariest moment of my life. But it felt like a school exam. Because I'd been at the Olympic Games for two weeks before I even started competing. I'd been there for a while, two yeah. and a half weeks. And it kind of got to a point where I kind of just wanted to get it over with, as I bad know, as that yeah. sounds. Kind of all this pressure building up on you. And so it generally felt like I was kind of going into a school exam type thing. But this time, I knew I was actually good at this, unlike when I was at school where I was terrible at everything. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so the diving, it was, well, that first dive on that board was absolutely petrifying. And I was following the Olympic champion from 2012. Oh, God. Which oh. I was like, oh, for God's sake, this is, why? <laughs> just my luck. And not only was I following the Olympic champion, who was the Russian Olympic champion, I then had the European champion right behind me, the who's also Russian. So I had the two. It was like a Russian sandwich. I had the two Russians either side of me, and the Olympic champion gets on this diving board, and uh, the conditions had, had really changed for, for the worse, the weather-wise. Uh, it was absolutely. It was a beautiful day. Oh, it's outdoor. Yeah, it was. Well. It was outdoor course, diving as well, yeah. which I mean, we can't really do much outdoor diving in Ireland, <laughs> so we don't really get much practice at that. So outdoors is kind of it was a whole novelty to me. The heavens opened, a gale force wind came in. This is only moments before the competition started. Now they cancelled the sailing that day because it was too windy, but they carried on the outdoor diving, which you don't want anyone. I'm, I'm assuming sailing you need a bit of wind, and yeah. uh, <laughs> they they, they the cancelled that. That's it was detrimental. It, to it was dangerous, and but they still carried on the competition and. They announced this Olympic champion, uh, Ilya Zakharov, doing an inward three and a half somersaults. And uh, I can't actually see his dive because I'm stood behind a screen waiting to go on the board because there's a screen separating the three meter and me. Obviously, so he can't see the divers coming up the stairs. And also, it looks good for TV. They have this big banner. Okay. And uh, and I hear, I hear him take off and I just hear crunch on this diving board. And I'm like, oh, so something's happened there. And uh, but to be Olympic champion as well, yeah. Uh, and uh, so I went up the stairs, and I got onto a diving board, and I'm trying to stay in my own little world, my own cocoon. And uh, we have a little a little towel that we will carry around with us. That's called a chamois, and you dry yourself down with it. It's also nice. It's like a stress ball because it's it can be quite stressful up there, and it's just yeah. nice having something. It's a very lonely sport diving sometimes. And uh, and I just take a cheeky look up at the big big screen right opposite me just in time to see a slow motion replay of this diver kind of smashing his feet into the board and uh and i was up next and the wind was really picking up and i was doing the same movement an inward movement but with one less somersault i decided to play it safe now you have to submit your dives and 24 hours before the event so it's a tactical game as well do you go easy or do you go all guns blazing okay uh, spe yeah. especially in the earlier rounds and uh and I, I, I got my first dive in, and I was like, oh my days, thank God for that. And it was, the way I was thinking of it was, right, that's one dive down. I know, Five yeah. more to go, and then we'll see where we are at the end of those five. And uh, and it was tight. I, I think I went, it's so a top 18 go through to a semi-final, and uh, the Olympic champion, the guy who smashed his feet and had a, had a brilliant comeback, and he came, he went through in eight, uh, 18th. I went through in 13th. So okay. safely through to the Olympic semi-final. Which, uh, last time we had a diver at the Olympics was 68 years ago. A diver called Eddie Heron. Yeah. A Dubliner. Well, he competed in the prelims, but then pulled out. So, we'd never had anyone go further than a, 
a prelim in diving. So uh, for me, it was, I mean, Swim Island, my governing body, their goal for me was to make a semi-final. I think that's what most people were hoping for. It was kind of like nine o'clock in the evening, eight o'clock in the evening. So it was kind of prime time TV. So a lot of people were tuning into it, especially in Ireland. Yeah, I took a quick cheeky glance on the social media and everyone seemed to be absolutely loving it. Oh, and, we were experts. Oh, and after five minutes, I mean, I had like a whole coaching team on Twitter alone <laughs> yeah. with everyone giving me comments and everything. Oliver, what are you doing? Come I know, on. I know, yeah. It's like, you could do better than that, surely. And uh, why, why can't you just add an extra somersault on? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, what are you and, playing uh, at? Yeah, it's like, just just do it better the, <laughs> it's gas though i i can kind of relate to that thing of um of wanting something and then when you get there you're it's the last thing in the world you want i find that with gigs as yeah. well that the bigger the gig you're like yeah we're doing a bigger yeah, or, yeah. you know, or it's a big one in the uk and you're brilliant and then when you're in the wings yeah waiting yeah you can hear a pin drop type yeah thing, exactly and, and in your oh. head i always always think if i could be anywhere else in the world now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I it just crossed my mind it's like why on earth am i stood here <laughs> right now what what am i doing just get me out of here type thing and it's it's like yeah when i qualified i was like yes i'm going to the olympics and the closer i got to the olympics it was more like no i'm going yeah. to the olympics <laughs> uh, but <laughs> having said that i can't complain and it was the most amazing uh, competition to be involved in and there was obviously my my childhood dream was to, to go to an Olympics. And if you say, for example, 12 year old Oliver decides, nah, I don't want to do it. Yep. Um, what do you think? Like, have you ever had a normal job? No, 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 no. Well, well, I got sacked from one. Uh, it was my, o- my, my, my only ever job <laughs> working with uh, toddlers. It was, it was kind of for this wealthy gym. So you had all these kind of wealthy private schools coming in, all their, those kids and, and everything. And, uh, I just couldn't commit to the hours, so that one was gone pretty fast. But that was gone because uh, of diving, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was gone because of the okay, diving. Okay, that's good. It's not like you no, showed no, up. No, 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 I didn't show up drunk. No, no, no. <laughs> well, actually. No, 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 no I didn't. Don't, don't worry about that one. Uh, that's the only job I've ever had. And yeah, I, got, I, I wouldn't say I got sacked from it. Maybe that's the wrong one. Let go, I think. Let go. Let yeah, go. Yeah, you came, you, uh, conscious uncoupling. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And um, what do you think you would have done had you not gone? Like any other child, I always wanted to be a soccer player. And I'm a huge, huge, huge football fan. Uh, I love my soccer. Uh, I'm a Leeds United fan. So I grew up in a place called Harrogate in, okay. in North Yorkshire. And uh, Leeds United is the team around there. And actually, a funny story the first ever sportsman I ever met was a guy called Andy O'Brien, who uh, was born in Harrogate, where I'm from. And he went to the same high school as me. And he represented Ireland at the 2002 Football World Cup. Wow. And uh, he would never remember meeting me, but I, it's, I certainly remember meeting him when I would have been about seven years old. And he gave me a participa- participation trophy. And uh, I've always been proud of kind of my Irishness. Okay. Uh, and the whole family have been. And uh, my, my grand grew up in a place called Spike Island. Oh, yeah. Which is a bit of an interesting <laughs> place uh, down south. And uh, everyone's Wasn't always that been. a prison, Oliver. <laughs> yes, that was a prison, yes. <laughs> and and, and everyone is kind of, everyone's been very kind of proud of this whole Irish heritage we've had. Um, when you change nationalities, you, like you changed because there was a. You, you were competing for the Commonwealth. Or yeah. the Olympics uh, in 2012. So, I mean, I grew up in the British system. And uh, when the opportunity arose in 2004, 14 to represent Ireland it took me a few seconds to me I've always been very proud of kind of I remember the 2002 football world cup which Andy O'Brien went to and everyone was there supporting England and I was there supporting Ireland and to me it was it was it was kind of I was very proud of both countries for me it wasn't a hard decision and it was a chance to create something new something I think a bit special as well kind of diving as a whole has has gone on to a whole new level of uh, kind of participation wise uh, yeah, well, I think it's quite inspiring for kids that love uh, swimming. Yeah. To, to see there's an, there's now an Irish diver. Yeah, there's a diver. And if oh. there's nothing there, there's nothing to aspire to. And if there's yeah. something there, then you can go. Yeah, and, and like after the go. Olympics, diving went through the roof and we've sold out all our programs and everything. Oh, brilliant. Waiting list. Uh, is, is, there's a waiting list now and it's, it's brilliant. And to kind of be at the forefront of that helping spearhead that new sport and, and I generally do believe that kind of with those numbers you never know you might get the next Olympic champion walking onto a Dublin poolside uh, a 10 year old yeah. who then might go on to win an Olympic gold medal 15 years later I think that makes me very very proud to be a part of that and to, to do that as an Irish uh, as an Irish diver makes me even more proud to do that because it's we've, we've done that with very little financial funding with and we are starting to create something special, I think, in, in a new sport. And 
Uh, and I think on the National Sports Campus, where they're kind of centralising a lot of the spots, that's where I'm based as well. It's where I live. I can't get away from the place half the time. <laughs> There's like a day trip for me, it's Blanchestown Shopping Centre. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you were saying though that it's, it's a 25... 25 yeah. minutes from your yeah. house to the gates. Yeah, just to the gates. If I walk, 25 minutes, which is, that's a trek and a half. That just just to get off half. the main gates. And uh, so it's, I, I live on that campus full time and I really don't get off that campus. So, But I I feel like I'm, out of every single athlete in the whole of Ireland, I access that campus more than any other athlete uh, through the, the Institute of Sport as well. I'll be in there every single day pretty much. Uh, doing something whether it's physio strength conditioning talking to a nutritionist even just talking to the the receptionist i'll go up there and have a nice <laughs> chat so just it's it's a nice place to to, to live and uh, it's a nice vibe and it's it's got that kind of new fresh feeling about it and an irish sport as a whole because of that it's all being centralized is on is on the up and i do believe in four years time we'll have an even better and better olympics and in 2024 there'll be way more medals than we ever did yeah. eight years previously what is involved in changing your nationality yeah. I mean, do, 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 do you have to resign from Team GB or, or from... Yeah, so that? so so there's... I, I qualified because my, cause my grandparents were from yeah. Ireland, so, so the, 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 the granny, the granny rule. rule, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the granny rule, which uh, so many footballers, I think, soccer players yeah. have... Uh, yeah, we've had... Yeah, the yeah, granny rule has it's been well used. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And uh, I'm very, very lucky that uh, I had that option, and... But that option only came around in 2014. It was never an option before because I'd never, they never had the financial funding to have a diver oh, or anything. Okay. So there was never any option in the first place until 2014. And uh, But to, to, to represent Ireland, I had to take a year out of no international competing. Obviously, I had to be a resident of Ireland. And, and what did you do that in that year? Uh, nothing. Well, I trained. Just trained. Oh, okay. I lived on the campus. Trained there. It was kind of a. I lived like a, uh, a hermit. It kind of. I lived with absolutely nothing type thing. I lived on this campus with no one really around for a whole year, not going to competitions or anything really. And uh, so that was a hard year, motivationally as well, trying to just get through that year of absolutely nothing, especially getting so close to the Olympic Games. I'd never been to a World Championships. I had one chance to comp- one chance to qualify for the Olympics, yeah. and uh, it was. Uh, a very testing time. So obviously I couldn't compete for a year. I, I had to uh, let British diving know. British diving had to accept. And, and uh, were British, were they... They were very nice about it. They, they were, were supportive. Yeah. They, they were supportive. And f- for them as well, I mean, f- for the diving community, having another nation on board, that, that's, that's, that, brings, that means a lot for all the diving nations to have another country on board. Because it must have been hard, like with the, the qualifier in 2012, you came second and the guy that came first and third went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't go to London. And so uh, did you, you must have been pretty pissed off. Uh, only naturally. Uh, yeah, I, of course. I, think, I mean, yeah, na- naturally. Yeah. That, that, I mean, but that's a life lesson. And uh, I remember not really, I didn't watch any of London 2012. I didn't yeah, want I to watch any of London actually. 2012. You I, missed the Spice Girls. I, yeah, <laughs> damn it. And uh, yeah, so I went on holiday actually with my girlfriend. Uh, we we went away for two weeks. Or was it to no, It was only a week actually. So to Mallorca. So I didn't I didn't get away for that long. But uh, we went to Mallorca and I just to kind of distance myself from absolutely everything. For me, that was only the start. Yeah. Of, of you got to take those kind of those hits and you got you got to somehow figure out how you can build on those. And for me, that was the 2016 Olympic Games. Before that, I had the Commonwealth Games in 2014. You won bronze. Uh, I got I got a medal in that one, yeah. So uh, my second Commonwealth Games, I did Delhi in 2010. And I was lucky that I was able to go to Glasgow. And uh, that kind of also, I think, would have helped cement my place kind of uh, for Ireland to actually accept me. Because they, they were made, it was a big decision for Ireland whether they... Uh, uh, put more money into say swimming for example or they they took a chance on a guy who they knew nothing about in a sport they knew nothing about and <laughs> and they went for me and Which, uh, it's uh, paid off as it seems at the moment and you you got you met the president and stuff when you came back didn't you? oh yeah yeah he was absolutely brilliant so everyone goes into this room and uh, you uh, they introduce you one by one and he shakes your hand and uh, I have to admit I was getting quite nervous going into this room I said like, what on earth do I talk about and uh and they introduced my name, and I go go in, kind of head down a little bit, I was quite nervous, and, and I put my hand out to shake him, and he just goes, Oliver! And he puts <laughs> his arms out, and and he and he just pulled me into this hug. Kind of, it was one of those hugs where my arms were still down by my side type thing, like, oh my god, what do I do? And he pulled me into this hug, and that was... He looks so was, delighted to meet you, uh, actually. It was, there's, there's a photograph yeah, online the, that's just incredible. It's, I'm so proud of that photo, and uh, it's... 
for me, the acceptance is kind of what's been the nicest thing about what what I've what I've done. Obviously, coming from Britain, you're never going to please everyone. And uh, but then again, oh, yeah, you, you, you don't want to please everyone. No, no, it wouldn't be the same if you could please everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you, you see all these comments sometimes online. Coincidentally, I've never, I've not had a bad comment since the Olympics. So uh, everyone no, seems oh, to be liking me oh, since. Oh, then. Once, once you're doing well, <laughs> yeah. it's all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I mean, before the Olympics, uh, I'd say 80 percent of people were rooting for me, Team Ollie. And uh, obviously, when you get some comments online, which you. Uh, you don't want to see, and they yeah. say they say. I'm guessing they say it in showbiz as well. You don't want to read comments about yourself, but it's only yeah. natural to kind of be curious. I I'll, think. T- I'll tell you what my rule is with that. If some, if you think somebody has been a dick online, like if you find something, uh, what I usually do is I go in, uh, I read the like their bio, you yeah, know, like yeah, the, the, yeah. the three line thing they've chosen yeah. to tell you about themselves, <clears throat> and then I read ten tweets. Yeah. And I guarantee you, <laughs> in those ten tweets, you will find something. That will just be enough to go. Yeah, that person's just an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah total <laughs> idiot. And uh, and I was warned before I went to the Olympics. Look, you might get a bit of backlash in here uh, from people. Keyboard warriors is what we yeah, call them, yeah. type thing. And uh, so I was like, okay. So I was advised not to look at it. Yeah. At all. And uh, I couldn't help myself. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, so the night before my event at the Olympics. Oh no. Free, I, uh, I I was I was I was in a pumped mood. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna read these comments. I'm gonna. So I read all of them, and I was like, I saw these really nice comments, and I was like, thank you, everyone. But I read all these really really nasty comments, and I was like, you know what? Tomorrow, we'll uh, I'll show I'll show you type thing. And uh, then yeah, I got through to the semi, and then, the, then I got through to an Olympic final. And uh, yeah, those people haven't really commented since, so it's been absolutely brilliant. And the the, the support, the kind of coming. The support from everyone from Ireland, uh, not just from Ireland, from from other countries as well, has been absolutely phenomenal. And people write to me, and uh, some really really nice messages. And because when, her, when, like, when we did that show, the seven o'clock yes, show, yeah, yeah. you had there was a there was a posse. Yeah, there, oh there yeah, was, there was a yeah. gang of fans uh, <laughs> yeah. inside. Yeah, that was that was nice. Yeah, I, I went outside. I was kind of in the kind of the entrance, kind of awkwardly sitting there waiting for a taxi, and I see the, this group of girls kind of poking their head around the door type thing and just looking around me isn't anyone else here who they're looking for type thing and then one of the producers came out and uh, she's like oh uh, have you got a taxi yet Ollie and I was like no not yet I'm waiting for it and she goes do you know who those people are outside I'm like oh, I don't know who they are she goes do you know who they're waiting for I, like, I have no idea so she went out and uh, and she asked who, who they wanted to see turned out it was me and uh, it was oh, brilliant it kind of that, yeah. that support and uh, I mean so only, only have a Tom Daly who gets stuff like that. So uh, it was it was it was nice. And then obviously I would go down to the Manchester Shopping Centre and I'd, I'd get stopped every now and again. And it's oh, cool. it, it's really really nice. And it's it's weird to me because to me I'm just Ollie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, no, nothing's really changed to me type thing. I'm the, I'm still the kind of the dopey the guy. athlete, the guy who who I always have been type thing. And uh, so it's, it's nice, and uh, obviously I've been getting all these letters, and just the sheer number, which kind of makes me most proud, is the, the young number of kids, uh, the, the kids, the, the, the kid, number of young kids who get in touch, and uh, and who have maybe maybe they haven't gone into diving, but it's made them want to go into other sports as well. Yeah, and, and also even it's something that they remember. Hmm. Like I, I I was never a, a fan of soccer or anything like yeah. that, but I do remember the World Cup where yeah. Aki Bonner saved that. Yeah, uh, the goal against Romania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the penalty. And I, I actually only a while ago I did a radio thing, and he was there. Oh wow! Because uh, he was c- just coming out, and I got a photograph with him. Even though, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, but but I do remember that moment. Yeah. And I, I'm just actually thinking that was 1990. That was two years before you were born. Oh wow! <laughs> days were <in>. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you do? Well, like, how do you relax? Like, uh, how do I relax? Uh, yeah. Are you like a Netflix a reader? Oh, or, I love Netflix or uh, music. This- so all I ever seem to do at the moment is I've just finished Narcos on Netflix. Oh right, I good, good program. Watched that yeah, watch, it. watch it. It's brilliant. Really, really liked it. Because uh, obviously I live in the middle of nowhere. I've got two housemates, but we all train at different times. We have no internet in the house either, so I. Uh, My God, yeah. this sounds like a monster. Oh, it's, it's, it's okay where we live. I mean, it, I can't complain. But we have no internet, so I'm, I'm a cheapskate. So I'll just use it my, my hotspot type thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'll uh, watch Netflix on there. But I'm hoping to get a car soon. And that will, I think, will give me a whole lease of life of just kind of getting off the campus 
and yes. getting around places and you know just just experiencing more of Ireland because it's, it's a great place and uh, I'd like to uh, at some point soon I'd like to go down to Spike Island and uh, it's kind of that journey is kind of what way before I was born but when my nan was born that's kind of it's kind of come around full circle type thing and uh, I'd like to give one of my Olympic tops down to the people of Spike Island and they could do whatever they want with it but uh, I'd like to be able to drive down there and give them that and uh, so I think getting a car in the near future will hopefully kind of help me out and also social life I mean it's I'm diving non-stop it's nice to kind of get out be able to socialize with people and I love Dublin as a city I live on the outskirts but it's a, an absolute brilliant city and, I, and I, sometimes I just go into the city it takes me it takes me ages to get into the yeah. city, but I'll just sit there having a coffee and just watching the world go because by you you were talking that you want to get a car but you've you've hit a bit of, the, of a problem the dreaded car insurance car insurance oh and my days. nobody <laughs> nobody will insure you no, no, not not nobody. Everyone who I've approached just won't insure me because of my occupation. Of your occupation. Yeah. So I have to put down I'm a sportsman, and then obviously alarm bells start going or something, and I get rejected on the spot pretty much straight away. So no one will give me a quote. So that's that's the oh, it's, it's a pain. So you just want a quote. That's all you want. Yeah. Not, not, I'm not even asking for sponsorship. It's just a quote would be. I nice. just want to be able <laughs> just, to drive. And just, yeah. come, come on, Karen <laughs> yeah. of Ireland. I mean, he's stuck in a monastery yeah. out in, <laughs> in Abbottstown. Yeah. Yeah, Somebody just, help him. Just get me out those past those gates, <laughs> and then I'll be happy. No, it's it's a brilliant place to live, and it's close to training. I've worked it out. I, it takes me ninety seconds to get to training from where I live, so I can leave with kind of. Uh, two minutes to go and still be early for diving, which is, that's an athlete's dream. I can roll out of bed in the yeah. morning, kind of <laughs> stumble around the house and then just walk over to diving, which is brilliant. Uh, but it would just be nice, you know, to, to get out and to have a bit more of a life outside yeah, of diving. Exactly. But like, I don't know, you're only young once, I'm still 24, so I've got a few more years where I want to make the most of kind of getting out around and uh, before I kind of, you know, diving isn't going to last forever. I'll have to do a proper job one day, I guess. What, what do you think that will be? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm, I've always been quite interested in my web design and graphic design. And that's, oh, right. that's one thing that interests me. But uh, I don't think diving will ever, I'll, I'll never fully leave diving. I've got, I've got this maps out already. So when I finish diving, they have a thing called the Masters, which uh, when you're 16, you can become a Masters. And they have a Masters, you know, uh, Masters World Championships, and they have a Masters. Uh, Masters sounds pretty cool. It sounds like something out of Star Wars, like the Masters. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, but it's kind of basic for people who just dive for the fun, who obviously can't. They're too old, or they can't compete at any other level type thing. So I'll, I'll have to. I think I have to give it kind of four years out for some reason. I think, oh, it's, right. I think it's because I've because I've competed at the Olympics. But then I'm gonna I'm gonna go to those Masters. I've I've heard it's a good social event as well. So uh, I'd like to do that kind of as a fun kind of still be involved in the sport and still still get to compete. And uh, there's a when I was training in uh, so after the Olympics, my girlfriend she lives in in Essex in the UK. So I went back and trained there for a few months just to kind of I haven't really seen her for the last two years. So just get a bit of time with her. But at the diving club, there's this woman called Joan who is mid-80s, she was launching herself off a five-metre platform like 30 times a session. It was amazing watching her go. And she, she could take a wipeout better than I can. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if I landed flat, I, I, I roll around on the ground crying, whereas she was absolutely amazing. It was, uh, it was brilliant to watch, and I'd love to be like that. And, wow. And I, I, it's a, a sport that I absolutely love. And to, to just to be involved in that sport would still be nice. And, and I'm sure I'll be involved in in, in some capacity. Uh, I don't know about coaching. I, I think I've kind of been on poolside enough to last me a lifetime already. Okay. A, a, lot, a lot of the time. But you never know. I might do a bit of coaching here and there. you could end up a there. commentator. You never know. I could do. It depends how successful I am at diving. And... Uh, Ah, you're pretty good. Uh, you're pretty <laughs> and, good, Don't And uh, it depends if, if, I, if I'm still relevant in uh, 20 years' time, if people would like to have me. But I also enjoy the other stuff, like kind of the radio stuff. I'm fascinated by radio. I do love radio. Really? And I do, I do. So I'd, I'd love to kind of look down that avenue. But hopefully I've got many more years before I decide what I what I do. But uh, as, as it stands, I'm kind of riding that wave. It's kind of plodding along quite nicely. Brilliant. Um, so t I've got a couple of short fire sure, questions. Yeah, yeah. Rapid questions. Why do not? Why do divers not wear goggles? Oh, because it would it would really hurt your face. So you travel you, when you hit the water. Obviously, you, you swimmers kind of they go in the water at an angle. Okay. And, uh, whereas diving, it's just straight down. Okay. And that would it would give you two black eyes pretty much. And how many pairs of togs do you own? Too many. Uh, I, I've I've gathered a fair few over the years. Uh, I think for the Olympics, I had four pairs with me. 
four, four pairs. Four pairs that I could have worn. That seems really little. Yeah, it is. And I had a whole big. I, oh, here's a story. I didn't actually get my Olympic swimming trunks until four, no, three days before I actually started competing. I was panicking uh, quite a bit because uh, the the Olympic Council of Ireland don't recognise uh, swimwear as technical equipment. So, uh, oh. it, so it means that we have to have unbranded kit. Whereas I think in boxing, for example, boxing gloves are classed as technical equipment. So they can have any brand they want in their boxing gloves. Even their trainers are classed as technical equipment, I okay. think. So they're allowed to have Nike trainers. Whereas we were sponsored by New Balance for the Olympic kit. Uh, so I think because their shoes were technical equipment, they're allowed to have, say, Nike or Reebok or Adidas. Oh, right. Whereas our swimwear wasn't classed as technical equipment, which I don't know how it works like that. But uh, So I had to source some swimming trunks that had no branding on, but also good quality that they'd uh, last me. Wouldn't rip. Yeah, wouldn't rip. <laughs> uh, not the most flattering of things, I guess. <laughs> International TV. Having my having my uh, my bomb out on TV, I'm sure most people wouldn't want to see that. So it's um, it was a quite a, a quite a, a challenge actually to get these swimming trunks, and they weren't ordered until I think two three weeks before I left, and when I left for Rio, they still hadn't been delivered. Oh, wow. And so I went to Rio. I had I had my branded swimming trunks, which I wasn't allowed to wear at the Olympics, but I had to wear them for training. Uh, so I, had, I could only take my branded swimwear out to uh, out to, to Rio. And basically, the only reason why I got these speedos was because the very last athletes to go out from Ireland so happened to be around the day before that they left the sports campus. So they uh, they kindly took my speedos overwards because they were going to have to post them to Rio in five days, pretty much. And Rio is one of those hectic cities where everything gets lost. So yeah. I would never have had these speedos. And uh, so that was something that shouldn't have been so stressful. That became very, very stressful. I can imagine. Yeah. My God. And so if you were to get sponsored then, because your pants aren't technical equipment, does that mitigate your chances of sponsorship? Uh, well, Swim Island, who I represent, they have a sponsorship deal with Arena. So, oh, okay. So in, when I'm competing, I have to have Arena kits. But uh, say I had an individual sponsor as well, I'm sure there's rules where I'm allowed to wear that individual sponsor's name on my tracksuit, for example. Oh, okay. when, when I walk out in my parades, and diving's a very visual sport type thing. You, you practically see everything there is. It's, <laughs> you can't get away from it. <laughs> you, you prance around in speedos for a living. It's, it's hard to kind of get away from everything. But the tracksuits is very visible in the parades. Also, I, I guess their logo on my swimming trunks I'd still be allowed. and stuff. So there, there are ways to do it. It's not like a, a football kit, though, where you can have lots of uh, yeah, space yeah. to be able to have everything gone. You, you're quite limited on material when it comes to diving <laughs> do you ever feel like you're missing out on anything yes yeah yeah and yes and no though uh obviously growing up uh there was the usual parties you can't go to the late night outs with your mates and uh, and all of that everything kind of a teenager wants to do yeah that, that was probably the hardest part was the teenage years and also i struggled a lot at school uh i'm very dyslexic so uh with uh Trying to balance that balance of the schoolwork with my diving and also a life in general was it was very very hard for me, and it's never stopped me with dyslexia, but it it challenged me a, a considerable amount. But my high school were really really good about that, and they uh, they they looked after me quite well, and they uh, they recognised that I had something good going on on in the diving pool, and that they were able to kind of share the load in effect. But I would go to school, and. Uh, I would go to school at seven o'clock each day, and then school would give me a bacon sandwich or a sausage roll. So I think they had a thing called Breakfast Club, club, and I'd do that. Then a teacher would help me do my homework, and then I'd do school throughout the whole day. And then uh, this is when I was kind of sixteen, seventeen, and then I'd then school finished at two thirty, and I stayed on till about four thirty doing more homework, and the teachers would help me get through that and stuff. God. But I went straight from there to dive in for three and a half hours. Uh, from five till kind of eight thirty, and then uh, I'd come back, and it, that, that's what my life was like for for years. I mean, obviously, at some point, I started training twice a day, uh, which made it even more challenging. So it's it really was a a challenge, and uh, so I did miss out on a lot of things. And uh, but having said that, I'm sure a lot of my mates would have loved to have gone to the Olympic Games and uh, kind of experienced some of the stuff. I mean, you only get to live life once, and. Uh, Money aside and everything aside, those memories are the kind of the things that kind of when you're there at an old age, they're the things that I think are gonna yeah kind of they're, they're the ones you're gonna look back on and think that really was worth. It. I hope it was all worth it, and I, and I do think it will be worth it. 
you've got a hell of a photo album for the grandkids. Yeah, I think so. You really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I remember at the, the Olympic Village, I was taking pictures of everything and everyone. And I was kind of spotting famous athletes. I saw Rafael Nadal a few times. I saw Novak Djokovic, Michael Phelps. In McDonald's. Uh, uh, <laughs> but Boris, Boris Becker near McDonald's as uh, Djokovic's coach. And he was the first person I asked for. I didn't ask for many photos, but I asked a picture. I asked Boris Becker if I could have a photo with him because I was thinking, my mum's a big tennis fan. She is going to love this. And so I ran up behind him and I just went, Boris! And he just went, no. <laughs> and walked off. And <laughs> that was that was that plan gone. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I didn't, didn't get my photo of Boris Becker in the end. And so I kind of stopped asking for photos at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why that one's a terror. Yeah, no. Yeah. Just literally just, just turn on and just went, no. As blunt as it went. So, uh, But I, I have those amazing memories. And those ones I can laugh at when I'm older. Uh, those ones that I'll cherish when I'm older as well. And uh, those ones I, I can share. So it's, uh, it feels like I've been diving for a while now. 24, but I've still got many more years ahead of me in my events. So I'm sure there'll be many more cool moments ahead as well. Oh, there definitely will. I hope so. Yeah, All fingers crossed. It. It's been incredible. Thank Lovely you. to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Thank oh, you. That was Oliver Dingley there. He is a great guy. You can follow Ollie on Twitter at Oliver Dingley and on Instagram at Oliver J Dingley. Fascinated at headstuff.org if you would like to get in touch and you can follow me on Twitter at Gerald Farrelly. Thanks to everyone at the Headstuff Podcast Network and of course to Ollie. Don't forget that we are still doing the Cocktails for Kelly fundraising for the St. Thomas Lupus Trust. More information about that in episode 24 with Kelly Bryan from Eternal. If you enjoyed this, please rate and review it on iTunes as it really helps. And also, why not recommend it to a friend? There'll be a new episode in two weeks. Thanks for listening. But just because Ali got to an Olympic final, it doesn't mean that when he gets into the pool, he doesn't have insecurities. But uh, I, I fail epically every single time I go on a surf machine. I don't know why I do it to myself. It seems like a good idea at the time. And then, like, I'm oh, flying off straight away. And then you get some eight-year-old kid who can spend ten minutes on the... This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Free Kids Workshops are back in stores at the Home Depot. On the first Saturday of every month, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., bring your little ones to a local Home Depot for a hands-on learning experience that kids love. Find more kid-friendly projects and kids' workshop kits at homedepot.com kids. For 25 years, the Home Depot has been building confident, future doers with its Free Kids Workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Lost supplies last, U.S. only.